Hi, welcome to Eurocron. I'm your host, Scott Pitney. Eurocron is a podcast where we chronicle extraordinary people and their extraordinary stories. Our goal is simple, entertain, inspire, educate, and at times humor our audience while our guests build their audio legacy. So let's get right to our next extraordinary story. Heather Madrone is a genetic genealogist and private investigator in Colorado. For the past four years, she has been helping people find their biological relatives using DNA results from genetic databases. She has solved several unknown parentage cases. One of those cases was mine. And Heather, I will forever be grateful to you for finding my birth family, including my birth father. Heather, welcome to your Quran. Thank you. (laughs) You are sounding good. (laughs) Um, So where is a good place to start your extraordinary story? Um, This story started about four years ago with my good friend, Jennifer Hall. She was adopted and both of her Adoptive parents had passed away and she really didn't have any family and was very curious where she came from and who her biological family was. So she took a DNA test and I just started from there. And since, you know, she's a really good friend and I wanted to help her, I was able to really stick with it and learn, you know, how to work the DNA. And her case was particularly difficult because it was Kentucky and there. Um, hard searches for a few reasons, but it was a really great way to just learn a lot of different techniques and and how the DNA actually works. Yeah, and I want to go back to what you just said about Kentucky. Um, So some states obviously are harder to to research than others. Definitely. What what are some of the reasons why that is? Um, For Kentucky, they actually have really good online records. They have birth records, they have death records, marriage records, but there are also um, a lot of families who have lived there through many generations. Mm -hmm. So marrying, you know, your second cousin happens quite often when people okay, so this is, stay in the same area. This isn't just material for comedians, this actually happens. <laughs> it does, each state really does have different you know, strengths and weaknesses. Okay, but so Kentuckians don't start throwing rocks at the show, just uh, <laughs> these are facts. Well, it's called endogamy, and um, so it's not just a cousin marriage, you know, like a pedigree collapse, it's, generation after generation where people intermarry and a lot of times they're not even aware of it because they've stayed in the same area or maybe they want to preserve a religion or ethnicity. Yeah. Now this is interesting. So I I just want to interject kind of a interest. In fact, this might've been on a previous podcast, our travel podcast in Iceland. So Iceland has about 350,000 people, which is a country, but is also an island, basically. And uh, and you have to register in this huge database when you're born, and you're assigned a number and all this. And so uh, one of the things, when you start into a relationship um, with someone, 
you have to make sure if you want to marry this person that you're, you know, far distant enough to, um, from family to, to marry them. And so I, I asked the person that told me this, Lewis was his name, he's our tour guide. I said, well, how many cousins away do you have to be? And it was five. I mean, so there, that's, so that's a real thing in Iceland. It is. I think uh, Sweden might be the same way. Okay. There's an app actually that, you know, if you're out at night. Yes, they have that in Iceland too. Yeah, when you do a quick Maybe that's check. the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> that's exact. yes, now that you mentioned it, he mentioned an app that you, yeah, he says, give me your family number and let's make sure that, you know, we're not uh, too closely related. Yeah, and much of the world does marry first cousins with uh, little to no repercussions. Oh, okay, I did not know that. In India. Okay. But, um, you know, here it's kind of taboo, but it does happen. I mean, I've worked a lot of trees um, mm-hmm. where cousins marry and the children are just fine. Yeah. But when you're talking about staying in the same area or, you know, preserving the religion, I think maybe, you know, that's a lot deeper because it's consistently <laughs> marrying within. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you help your friend um, find her birth family. Mm-hmm. So can you elaborate a little bit more on that story? What, after, after you found them, how did, how did it play out after that? Um, her story went really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it depends on how you look at it. She did get to, um, I already talked with her and she's okay about me telling her story just okay. <laughs> and her name. <laughs> okay. Sure. Sure. Um, she, started speaking with her mom on the phone, her biological mother. Mm -hmm. She has a half brother on that side. Mm -hmm. Um, She unfortunately didn't get to meet her biological mom before she passed away, but uh, she did get to hear her mom tell her that she left her on the phone. So that was really, really cool. That's awesome. Life changing. Yeah. Sure. You know, for an adoptee. Yeah. And uh, then on her father's side, sadly he had passed away before we found him but she has a, a really close aunt mm-hmm. and uh, cousins and some uncles on that side mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, any half siblings, anything like that? She doesn't on that side, yeah. but her on her mother's side, she does have a half sibling and she's real close with him. So oh, yeah, so that's she went wonderful. from really having nobody and yeah. now having a lot of family and she visits them and yeah. it's cool. So that obviously gave you a lot of personal satisfaction to, to be able to help your friend like that. So wh- where did it, where did this this go from here for you in particular? Then it became addictive. Uh. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's different than just genealogy for me because I mean, you can just work on a tree and work on a tree, mm-hmm. but there isn't that feedback of wow it something has been solved you know this puzzle has been solved and mm-hmm. you know even in the situations where it isn't necessarily a good outcome mm-hmm. and uh close relationships aren't formed mm-hmm. the adoptees are still usually um happy to know where they came from and ethnicity and just know about their family even if it doesn't end up in, you know, a big happy family situation. So they find some sense of closure in in other ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's very cool. In my experience, it it really goes about 50-50. Okay, yeah. So 50 
have happy endings, 50 do not. Yeah. So, um, and I was going to talk about that later, but since you brought it up, I wanted to ask you, how do you help people navigate or prepare for, you know, this, it could go bad, it could go good. Do you help them in any way sort of prepare emotionally for especially the bad? I try to, you know, I'm not a therapist or anything, but I met my dad for the first time when I was 27. Okay. And so I kind of feel like I have a little bit of an understanding of what that feels like to go into it. Sure. And um, unfortunately uh, for him, we had a lot that we needed to work through and not enough time to do it. Mm. He passed away two years after I found him, Mm -hmm. but it was still completely life-changing for me. Um, for my searchers, I really just try to just have open communication with them and let them know, I mean, you've been searching your whole life. They maybe haven't been searching at all. Yes. You know, and so you don't want to go in full force because, because you could just ruin it. You could, you know, really intimidate them and scare them. And you don't know what situation they're in what type of relationship, you know, your bio mom is in now or how much she has divulged about you or how much she has really buried away because of the trauma surrounding, you know, the adoption. Yeah, there's a reason that the adoption happened. And so, uh, yeah, they, they could either have some regret that they gave somebody up for adoption or like you say, it's man, this is great. This is off my mind and, yeah. and has been for years. It's taken me a long time to get to this point and I don't want it disrupted. Exactly. Yeah. And that does happen with the bio moms. And then there's a lot of bio dads who really had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't say. <laughs> yes, I would imagine so. <laughs> so, you know, personally, right. firsthand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hence, a lot of them, uh, you know, uh, if they receive a ancestry kit for their birthday or Christmas <laughs> or something, it's not something that they would want to uh, partake in. I can understand that. Yeah, I actually am not really big on giving uh, DNA kits as gifts. I just think it should be something that, I mean, there's just too many things that could come out, even if you don't realize your family has these secrets. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's something that the person kind of should do on their own. If you're ready to take a DNA test and you know that there is a chance that there could be, you know, some secrets that come out with that, you know, then it's, you bought it. It's not whoever gave you the gift. Right, so don't just give somebody a gift cold, have a discussion about it and find out how they feel about it first or else they might take it as, what are you trying to get out of you know, yeah. Is this gift really for me or for you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, uh, I can see how that would work. So um, we met because of Search Angels. Right, Yeah. So from uh, Search Squad. Yeah, from Search mm-hmm. Squad. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's an amazing group of, Mm -hmm. uh, there's about 80,000 members and um, search angels who are all donating their time and really our money too. We pay for these memberships to the DNA sites. We pay for these search memberships to, um, you know, other like been verified and white pages and things like that to be able to help you find your family. there's a different organization called Search Angels. I don't really know anything about them, but the 
group I was a part of is Search Squad on Facebook. And the only reason I'm not a part of that right now is because it's very hard for me to scroll through my news feed and not help these people. I, but I need to focus on, <laughs> you know, right now I'm j- creating my jewelry business and also doing some PI work. So I need to not have that in my newsfeed every day because I just have a really hard time. If I can help you and you are stuck and, you know, it's very hard for me to just keep scrolling. So for right now, I'm not in that group. (laughs) Right, right. And I appreciate you clearing that up. So I said search angels, but a search angel is someone like yourself who helps somebody. For free. For Pro free. bono, exactly. Right, right. If but they the, charge, it's not a search angel situation. Right, and but the organization is called Search Squad. And, search Squad, And yes. they can be found on Facebook. And, and I can tell you, since I've obviously been through the process, and uh, I talked about it on a previous podcast too, uh, it's, um, I'm not tech savvy at all, and I screwed up <laughs> trying to um, be a part of the organization at first, and it's just a minor thing that, because I didn't read over the application <laughs> thoroughly. That's like common. I, yeah, and I, you know, I speed read everything, including applications. But uh, the second go around when I did, I did it right. And then uh, you and I were connected and then that was like hitting the lottery for me. Wonderful. It absolutely was. So um, that said, so what took me years, took you literally two days, I think, to accomplish. Um, you you and when i say accomplish you got my birth father down to two people uh, him and his brother so um what can you share or are you comfortable sharing heather about this process without giving up too many trade secrets is there any behind the scenes kind of stuff you can share with us how this works and i don't think there really are any trade secrets Mm i um i have taught other people how to do this because Mm -hmm. There are so many people that need help mm. that I just I just don't think there's going to be too many <laughs> you yeah. know people doing it. So I'm sure. not kind of I'm not someone to hoard yeah. those um, secrets or anything. Um, what I do is I take the DNA matches and I build trees for each of those DNA matches, and then I try to find the common ancestor or ancestors in those trees, and then I you know compare how much DNA is shared between you and each of those DNA matches to kind of figure out the different possibilities of where you might fit in that tree. And then, you know, after after I am pretty confident that I have found or identified the bio parent, then I spend about 24 to 48 hours trying to prove that wrong. <laughs> Interesting. Because it, it's just too serious to you know, to mess up. You could ruin somebody's life by calling and, you know what I mean? You don't know what kind of situation people's relationships are in. And sure, yeah, this is like a ma- major deal. So it is. When, when you get it down to, for example, in my case, you got it down to two people. Are there some boxes that you check? Like uh, you, see, you say you spend the next 24 hours trying to prove yourself wrong. What are you tr- trying to prove wrong? I'm just trying to um, make sure first that you have the DNA matches on each side of that person. So, for example, your bio father, you have DNA matches on his mother's side mm-hmm. and on his father's side that don't match each other. Mm. And 
that's that is the aha moment. Uh, okay, good. Now we got there, so yeah. then we can start really, um, you know, weeding through the people. And I just, I don't know, I just really try and make sure that they maybe were in the same area, or you know, the age matches up, or. I mean, I don't really know. I, I, I spend a long time, I just call it beating the dead horse. I just spend a lot longer doing that than I do in the actual search because I just don't want to give anybody the wrong answer because it's just too big of a deal to get it wrong. Yeah. And there, there was a term, so for me, when you got it down to two people, you, you sent me a message that... Uh, Something to the effect, the way I took it anyway, is I've gotten as far as I can, Scott. Now, you have to reach out to them. or And you were, of course, very willing to help me. You helped me draft a, draft a letter to send. Uh, you suggested putting some pictures in there. I mean, it was just wonderful. Uh, like you were holding my hand through, the, through the process <laughs> and made it. You know, and, and we went back and forth, and I said, "Okay, here's the letter, here are the pictures, and you critiqued it, and, and all that." But uh, it, it it was just amazing the process. Uh, but but there was a going back to my question, there was a term that you used like we, you know, you've got to make contact with them, and I think that maybe that's what it was that, mm, I, that I, I won't do it, right? Absolutely, that, that, yeah, that. Uh, we're in contact mode now, like so you have to reach out and contact them because I can't go any further until we at least eliminate if they're not going to be your your father correct yeah once it's down to siblings being the bio parent unless one of those siblings children have dna tested and i can either say oh that's your half sibling or that's your first cousin i mean there's just really not any more i can do without further dna testing and mm -hmm. i'm glad you brought that up because it's very important that search angels anybody helping anybody i mean another dna match helping your dna matches to solve their mysteries do not reach out to their family mm. sometimes that one phone call is the only time the adoptee will hear their bio mother's voice mm -hmm. if the bio mother rejects them that's it mm -hmm. and it's just i don't know it it can just really cause so many problems. And sometimes it does go okay, and you hear that, oh, your cousin reached out and it went just fine. But we have heard such horror stories that it's an irreparable, irreparable damage. Yeah. It just cannot be fixed. So it it's really important that nobody reaches out for the searcher, yeah. just the searcher. Yeah. I mean, and it may have gone very differently, maybe your bio father would have thought there was a scam going on or something if this random woman contacts him about a son he never even knew existed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sorry if that's too much information. No, 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 that's great. Another thing that um, a bit of advice you gave me I thought was real helpful that I wanted to share is uh, I call it noise. <laughs> you get a lot of noise from other people that are trying to be helpful, quote unquote, and they really are. but. Uh, and, Sometimes, and, yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I mean, they're not helpful. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're sincere in their efforts there to be helpful. Go. Yes, thank yes, you. that's great. Yeah, so uh, and I respect that, but I would pass along the information that they shared with me, and I like what you said. Basically, is just the way I took it anyway. Is Scott? Let's you and I work 
together. Don't don't spread out too much and, and start going in all these different directions because of what you just said, that somebody else might think that they're so right that they try something, trying to be helpful and reach out and c- contact the person. The yeah, and that's just not, that could have ruined any chance I had. Absolutely, and that brings up another good point that if anybody is searching for their biological family and you get close DNA matches, close meaning first cousin or closer, mm-hmm. don't reach out to them right away with mm. your adoption story. Mm. It's not the way to go because you might reach out to that person who likes to start the drama in the family or mm. maybe bio mom didn't tell anyone, now suddenly her cousin is outing her to the family. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna go well for you. Mm. So that's when you want to join Search Squad or DNA Detectives is another great great site that helps a lot of people and um, let somebody who knows what they're doing help you along Mm -hmm. so that you can make contact before you know another close family member does Mm -hmm. because you know people get their results back and immediately they just start messaging everybody their adoption story and I know I just cringe when I see that but (laughs) then it's too late you know we work from there but if you if anybody's listening to this and doing a search just be sure not to reach out to any first cousins or closer. Yeah, and just a good segue, I think, to talk about now to uh, that you and I actually haven't talked too much about, I think we touched on a little bit of everything, but social media. You, you've gotta be responsible with, with social media and what you find out too um, with this. And th- th- again, if I would have just immediately got on social media and you know started naming names and right. you, you know celebrating connections and that kind of stuff, you got to be very careful about that stuff. Right? That's absolutely true. You have to respect all parties in the situation. I mean, everybody is a part of your story, but it's not just your story. Correct. Correct. Other lives uh, definitely are at stake. So. Um, any other, any other tips that you might give to somebody that's thinking about doing this, about, uh, finding biological family or just has an interest, uh, in, in doing some DNA research that uh, might be helpful. Somebody just getting started, especially. Um, a big thing to me is, you know, I don't work for any of the DNA testing companies, but Mm -hmm. I always recommend Ancestry for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. They have by far the largest database Mm -hmm. of DNA testers. So Mm -hmm. right there, you have a much greater chance of finding a a connection. They also um, have the option of having a tree, a family tree on there. So that gives us a lot more to work with mm-hmm. if there are trees. 23andMe, I love that site um, and I love their testing and their um, health test, but there aren't trees on the site mm. and there isn't a lot of identifying information mm-hmm. for the DNA testers, so it's a little harder to work with just 23andMe. So my advice would be to start with Ancestry and then once you get your DNA results, Download your raw DNA, and then you can upload them for free to FTDNA, MyHeritage, and GEDmatch. Um, And then now you're in almost all of the databases. So right there, you've really increased your chances of getting closer DNA matches. Yeah. Yeah, so there there is basically a large hub of generic, uh, genetic. Genetic. (laughs) Generic. Nothing's generic about genetics. (laughs) 
<laughs> but there is a large uh, hub of genetic information for DNA. Absolutely, and it's this field is growing every day, and it's growing in different di- different directions. This same method is now being used to solve cold cases. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, not only is it being used to solve cold cases, it's also um, been helpful in exoner- exonerating innocent people. That's huge. It's huge. I would love to um, work in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so go back. I want to go back to what you said about the, the family tree, because uh, as you know, I'm not techie, but my uh, lovely wife, LaVon, is, and she, she is. loves this kind of stuff, and she was uh, uh, very good, and pa- you know, she has a lot of patience for that kind of stuff, but she, I give her 100% credit building my family tree. I mean, I did absolutely nothing. So uh, why is that important, though? How does that help you as somebody that's doing searches to, ha- to have that family tree information? Well, I look at the DNA matches family trees, but then I build them out myself because there's so many mistakes in the family trees. Mm. And then when you know one of my searchers, their spouse or a friend or a DNA match builds a tree, I also double check that because, I mean, you know, we need it to be correct. But Levant's yeah. everything was perfect. It was such <laughs> a course. huge help. I know it was amazing. <laughs> yes. uh, it was such a huge help because she had most of the people in the tree. I could just go right in and start to add the DNA matches where they belonged so mm-hmm. I can help to really zoom in on where you might fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, but when there aren't uh, family trees along with the DNA matches, I mean, then we have to research who is this DNA match and then we have to build the tree for them and mm-hmm. you know, it just takes a little more work. Yeah, and I just wanna uh, reemphasize what Heather said earlier, that this service is free. And as a search angel, she personally pays for a lot of the resources that yeah. that are used to find. So uh, if any of you are going to search squad or any of these organizations that can help you, please remember that. <laughs> <laughs> this and is not a private, <laughs> yeah, and a lot of hours. This is not a private investigator that you're hiring, spending money on that, you know, you can demand this or that or whatever. These people are volunteers and beyond just their time, which is huge, are spending money on, on all the resources too. So uh, anyway. I just a uh, little personal thing that I wanted to <laughs> well, bring up. I wanted to bring up again. So um, let's see. How often? And you talked about this earlier, but I think you said fifty percent. In my experience, I mean that's my rough math, but mm-hmm. it really is. It just goes either way, and you don't know until that situation happens. For example, you know my dad. I didn't know him my whole life, so. You know, I didn't have a real strong connection, or mm-hmm. so I thought, mm-hmm. until he died and I was blindsided. <laughs> you know, I just mm. never would have thought that I would have these feelings. So, yeah. I mean, even though you might think you know how you're going to feel, you honestly don't until it happens. We'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by Pitney Properties. Pitney Properties provides real estate services to buyers and sellers located in and around the Houston area. 
Having been raised in Texas, LaVon Pitney is incredibly well-versed in the area's housing market and always manages to find her clients those hidden gems that other agents tend to overlook. LaVon's relentless style and integrity allow her to hold client satisfaction at her highest priority. She works hard to make the entire home buying and selling experience as as productive and enjoyable as possible. Whether her clients are first-time buyers or seasoned investors, LaVon works tirelessly to accommodate their needs and exceed their expectations. To learn more about LaVon's real estate services, please don't hesitate to call her today at 713-805-8871. That's 713-805-8871. Or contact LaVon at sold at pitneyproperties.com. touched on this a little bit earlier, but any other tips that you can give somebody about the navigating the emotional, and I know you're not a therapist, but, mm-hmm. uh, but based on your personal experience, what were your, what was your takeaway from that and, and how you help other people, uh, navigate the emotional part of this? Well, I try to tell them to not go in with any expectations because mm. I mean, you're bound for disappointment because almost never will it end up the way you think it will because, you know, we all have our own ideas of what will be. And a lot of adoptees have kind of fantasized their entire life of what that moment would be like. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of not fair to the family you're walking into. Yeah. Even though you are their biological relative, you still have to be very respectful of their space and who they are and where they are in life right now and what they've been through. Yeah because you just you just never know and to just try and maybe try to find some similarities and things you have in common and work from that instead of going straight in for the mommy and (laughs) (laughs) the real heavy you know feelings because sometimes that just burns out real quickly yeah take it a little slower like when I met my dad um it was really incredible because I had always collected um, gems and fossils almost my whole life mm-hmm. and um, had apprenticed silversmithing and then in my mm. teens. And then when I was 27 and I met him, I knew nothing about him. And he actually was a jeweler mm-hmm. who um, had a huge collection of gems Isn't and fossils. Awesome? Yeah, it was, it was really, really awesome. <laughs> what I mean, that must have been amazing to go, because that's sort of, it's kind of a specialized craft to, to be. But Absolutely. That you, but the, the, the chances of you having that same interest is amazing. And both of us were the only ones in each of our families who had that interest. Really? So it wasn't, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll see that a lot with the DNA. You know, I'll have a searcher who's maybe in the education field, and then we find their family, and they're all in the education field, or medical field, or engineering. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I would imagine so. So what did you, uh, going into life, I mean, you're interested in gems, you're interested in, in PI investigation, that kind of stuff. <laughs> what did you think going into life, what did you want to be? What, what, what did Heather want to be when she, <laughs> when she did you, uh, 
have an interest in this when you were young? Um, I didn't. I just wanted to be free (laughs) (laughs) and do what I want. I kind of changed my, you know, direction a little bit just as I grow. And I just really just want to keep learning and always growing. Just can't be stagnant. Mm Mm-hmm. That's my biggest fear. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see that. You know, I, I, I can see you, but I also see you when you do find an interest in something, really diving in and like learning exactly. everything about it. Yeah, is that kind of accurate? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. But it, it led me to you. You know, it, I, it, it, this is a really good way for that neurotic tendency, right? Because you have to know so many different aspects of the DNA and the searching, and even you know, like you mentioned people's feelings and the emotions involved and just so much involved in it that it's it's so multifaceted that I don't get bored with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, obviously your personal connection with your dad um, and the first case that you did with your friend are, are two very memorable. Are there any other memorable cases, standout cases that you feel comfortable talking about that you could share? They are all memorable. They yeah. all have such an amazing story to them. I mean, I've had searchers who, you know, as soon as I get a search, I'm, I dive right into it because you just don't know timing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've had a searcher who spent the week with his biological mom and half siblings and took his family there for vacation and had an amazing time. And on his drive back home, she had a stroke and she passed away. Oh my gosh. And I, there's actually a lot of similar stories to that where there wasn't a lot of time. So if I didn't help them, you know, and because it takes a lot to learn this. Right. So for them to try to navigate it on their own, maybe they wouldn't have, you know, found their family in time. Yeah. So the chances of connection are obviously increased when you have more DNA information, more people taking DNA tests and and added to the database. Are there some cases that were, I I don't know what the correct term would be, but shelved for maybe a year or so where somebody jumped in and took a DNA test and it solved the case and they came, they circled back around or, or you got some information where you went back to them and it had been a year or so that uh, the, the case was cold, but then it, it was solved later. Absolutely. I have probably about five or six cases right now that have been open for a year, but, um, you know, and they came down to just not many DNA testers. Um, two of them are French Canadian and those are also very endogamous, difficult searches mm-hmm. and um, the records are not there as well for those. So they are very difficult. But since I already have this tree built, even if I only have them built with third and fourth cousins, I have the tree. I just you know can't zoom in on where the adoptee fits in yet. And then maybe they'll get a second cousin match or something that you would never think would tie it together. And it just does. Wow. Yeah. 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 I never rarely give up on a case yeah (laughs) you know it's some just are going to take longer yeah do do you normally hear from somebody else that that went on the ancestry and say hey a a match popped up or do you get that information firsthand and and then go to them well every morning i check my ancestry uh 
DNA testers that I have in there. Oh, okay. Because, you know, I'm dying for them to get a new match, too. I want their search solved. Yeah. Um, I, I know their extended family. I just want to really tie it in for them. Mm-hmm. So every day I check Ancestry, but I have my searchers um, in these long cases check their own my heritage, FTDNA, and GEDmatch because, I mean, that's just a lot for me to do every single day, sure. log into all those different sites. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how many, roughly, how many open cases do you have right now that, that you're still going back and just checking and that kind of stuff? About five or six. About five or six. Yeah, okay. two of them are the French-Canadian, and, um, and they just take time. Another is a... Um, recent uh, immigrants from Italy. Mm-hmm. Those are pretty hard cases, mm. but I really like those. I've had a lot of success with those, but they just take you know, a lot more time and work, and um, there aren't a lot of records there, and there aren't a lot of DNA testers because you know, these families have only been here a couple of generations, so mm. there aren't a lot of cousins and second cousins and extended family here. Yeah, yeah. So um, on on ancestry, there's a little map that you know for me exa- for for me for example, it said that I'm I think seven percent Irish and the rest Scottish or English or whatever. And you look at this map and it like draws circles around the countries that have part of it. And Levant, for example, is like all over the world. You know, right? So, um, um, that uh, is that pretty accurate? Do you feel like I mean working with that? But, working with ancestry a lot do you think that that's pretty accurate stuff because some of these records you know when you dive into them are just so old i mean right. hundreds of years literally and a, a lot of the records are incorrect we're finding now with dna because that's I mean, where i was going human with, yeah. error yeah yeah um the ethnicity is actually a, a really a different part i mean i'll use the ethnicity in the search if it makes sense mm-hmm. but um you know with europeans it's you know like us it it, it doesn't really um, help me much in the search mm-hmm. and um, those ethnicity reports are being updated more and more often because more testers over there and um, in different parts of the world so the ethnicity appears as though it changes a little bit. It hasn't really changed. It's really just the testing companies and the DNA yeah. catching up to it. So I wouldn't take it as, you know, carved in stone yet because it probably will change a little. Uh, not for you and I. Ours really doesn't change. I get excited because they have a new ethnicity update. <laughs> Nothing happens with mine. <laughs> just English and French. That's it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. That's I feel like mine's pretty much two countries so yeah <laughs> yeah but uh what uh what does the the future look like for heather madrone where i i know you're interested in in your in the gems yeah and and, and now uh, you're kind of doing your own private investigating so is that uh um, is that what the future looks like uh, years from now you want to keep going in that direction or other things pop up you might be interested and in, take off with that well, I like to always try to do something creative, something where I use my brain, and then something where I help people. Sometimes they kind of merge in or are the same thing. So for my creative side, I'm going to be launching my um, jewelry business soon. It's called Urban Fossils. And um, instead of a lot of gems, um, just because of there, there's a lot of... Uh, 
violence and destruction to the earth with mining. Mm-hmm. So I am only using responsibly mined gems, but I'm also trying to use other stuff to keep it out of the landfill, like um, byproducts of the steel mining industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 100 years ago, they took all of the slag from the steel mining industry in Michigan because it failed up there mm-hmm. and just threw it into Lake Michigan. Mm. So people are pulling that out now and you know, making cabochons and I'm using that for jewelry. I have some products that are the byproduct of um, the gold mining industry. Mm-hmm. And also uh, another material I use is from the Corvette factory in uh, Kentucky in Bowling Green. And it's actually the overspray of painting the cars and um, people are using that. They've been using it since the 70s to make cabochons and jewelry. So I'm just really trying to use alternatives to gemstones. I mean, I'll always love gems, of course, but. What, what are the ones, you mentioned the ones that are being affected uh, that negatively impact the earth. What, what are some of those gems that have that sort of negative impact? Diamonds and gold, just anything well, that you Absolutely, for? diamonds yeah. are just, that's a filthy industry. Mm. But, um, I mean, I'm not gonna make any friends here, but <laughs> I don't okay. use turquoise because you have to just blast, you know, yeah. the earth, and there is no way that you're going to be able to. For tur- turquoise. To put that back, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, not all turquoise. There are some responsibly mined. I know yeah. there is uh, one mine in Arkansas specifically that um, they're very, very responsible, but, um, if you don't get it right from them, I mean, it's hard to yeah to know where yeah. you're getting it. But in for my the rest of the stuff I want to do, I would like to. Um, I'll always help people with this because this is a skill, the DNA. This is just something that I can do to help people that they, you know, probably couldn't do on their own. So, you know, why not help them? Um, and I'll always do some pro bono cases. But I also would like to use this technique to help solve cold cases eventually with law enforcement and um, definitely work on helping exonerate people like with the Innocence Project or Mm -hmm. organizations like that because that's just something very important to me. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that, solving cold cases and and freeing people that were wrongly accused? because I, I understand working with you on my case now as far as finding birth family, but but how does it work in that particular field? Uh, it really, the techniques are exactly the same. Okay. So if they, uh, if law enforcement collects DNA from the perpetrator, from the crime scene, mm-hmm. 30 years ago even, and they have it. Now, you know, technology is really advanced mm-hmm. and um, there are some labs around the country, and one in particular is Parabon. They can actually take that DNA and turn it into the autosomal usable DNA that we use mm-hmm. to find either the biological family or the biological family of the perpetrator, so mm-hmm. then they can narrow it down. Mm-hmm. But the genetic genealogists are not solving the crimes or even really doing any investigative or police work. We're doing our same techniques that we use in unknown parentage but once we find who you know we think the perpetrator could be then it's handed back to law enforcement or the FBI so that they can do 
you know, their traditional DNA work. So then what they will do, you know, if the genetic genealogist says, well, I think this person, you know, is a, a good option. This really might be the perpetrator you're looking for. Then the police, you know, step in and maybe they'll trail the person and collect DNA from the person. Mm. And then they run that DNA that they have collected mm-hmm. against the original DNA mm. from the crime scene, mm-hmm. from the perpetrator. Mm. So the genetic genealogists are no longer involved in that situation. It's back to the traditional police work. Is there, um, does it come into play any that some of the genetic connections you make as a genealogist that um, will lead the police to maybe speaking to a relative or somebody that they're related to? Does, does any of that come into play? Or? Yeah, I have read um, mm-hmm. quite a few articles mm-hmm. where that happens because you know there are a lot of people who are concerned about their privacy, mm-hmm. but it seems like there are even more people who are willing to help, even if it is a family member, mm-hmm. if they have you know, because this is only used for rapes and murders. Mm-hmm. So it's very serious. Yeah, yeah. So you know, even if your yeah. <laughs> favorite first cousin yeah. might be the rapist or murderer, I you know. Yeah. Do you, the right thing. Exactly, turn them in. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we will put. Uh, oh, I wanted to ask you, going back to uh, the future, um, have you ever thought of writing a book? I'm not really good at writing. <laughs> <laughs> and also, these are these are everybody else's stories. You know, my book would just be everybody else's stories, not my own. Yeah, so, I don't know. Well, just just be on podcast. You're doing great. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. It's my first one. <laughs> yeah. right, you're doing wonderful. Um, well, very good. Well, we'll we'll put uh, the information about how people can reach you. To if, Great. if they need your help on our uh, show notes. Wonderful. I'm on LinkedIn also. Okay. Is there anything uh, anything along those lines that you want to just state on the recording right now, how people can get a hold of you? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Heather Madrone. Actually, something I would like to get across, though, is please, please upload your DNA to GEDmatch and opt in for law enforcement to help because they had over a million DNA testers in GEDmatch that law enforcement could, uh, the genetic genealogists for law enforcement could use. Mm. And um, now they've switched the system to where you have to log in and opt in for law enforcement. And, um, you know, I can understand where people are coming from, but there are people who have never logged into GEDmatch because it's not super user friendly, um, you know, so. I mean, have you ever logged into GEDmatch? No. And, yeah, and, <laughs> and you're and on this, there. Th- yeah. Oh, I, okay. well, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, please opt in. <laughs> okay. Well, that, okay. I, I want to, okay. I'm going to go off on another tangent here because this is very interesting. So um, if you're sitting here listening to this recording and say, well, why would I want to do that? Because I've never been part of a crime. Nobody in my family that I know of has ever been part of a crime. This is important. It is because it's likely a distant relative you do not even know exists, yeah. but your DNA could really help the genetic genealogist Okay. You know, tip off the law enforcement for... Good to know. I did not know that. And so now that I do, I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen to this <laughs> podcast and I'm going to write that down and I'm going to take that action because, yeah, I want to be able to help any way that I can. It's like giving blood, you know, you, exactly. don't, you don't know who it's going to end up with, but just go do it. That's a great analogy, actually. 
Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Heather, uh, this has been an amazing time, and I can't, again, thank you enough for what you've done for me to change my life and to, to bring closure and to meet wonderful new people that are, are now biological family members. And uh, it's just, it's been amazing. You're amazing. I mean, like I said, we we spent years of doing this and trying to do it on our own and then you walked my life you truly are a search angel I oh, mean thank you so much yeah no thank you <laughs> um but that brings us to our legacy question mm. what I like to call our legacy question <laughs> um so in a hundred years say a hundred years um and somebody's listening to this recording what do you want them to remember about Heather Madrone, about uh, your life, your life's work, um, or just anything in general? Well, <laughs> well, I struggle with this question because, I don't know, a legacy, I don't know, that just sounds so heavy. Really, <laughs> what's important to me is to just be here now and do as much as you can now while you're here, learning, growing, helping people. It's so rewarding. I mean, and obviously that's not why I do it, but there are absolute benefits I get from it. I feel good. I feel good about myself because I am able to help people and because I have a skill that can help people. So yeah. just try to hone that. And That is awesome information because um, there are, including myself, a lot of us that, you know, have taken that, maybe that tombstone exercise. You know, what, what oh, I want to be on my tombstone how do I want to be remembered and that kind of stuff and there's pictures videos things that you write things that you do but that is a very good reminder to live in the moment and be stop. here now yeah don't worry about the future and the legacy just live in the moment so I think you're the first guest that's ever ever brought that to uh <gasps> To a head, and I absolutely love that answer. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I didn't want to disappoint. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you again. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey everyone, Scott here to let you know about a special promotion we're having at Your Quan. We are looking for companies that would like to advertise on our podcasts. So we are offering advertising space at $25 per podcast. That's only 25 bucks to have your business on a podcast episode. That means every time the episode is played, people are going to hear about your business. And your commercial stays on that podcast forever. So that's a great deal, right? So if you're interested, email me, scott at yourcron.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at Y-O-U-R-C-H-R-O-N.com. Scott at yourcron.com. I would love to hear from you.